The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. We don't want to go back to the place where we're stuck. We don't want to go back to that injury. We don't want to go back and ask for forgiveness. Let's bury it. Let's cover it over and just keep on marching forward. But God would have us go back to those places and deal with them honestly. Then find healing for them and we're able to move forward. But if we just cover them over, they are buried alive. They will come back. Ruth Graham asks what's holding you back from forgiving others and yourself next. Hi, welcome to Life Today. I'm Sheila Walsh. So glad you could join us. And I'm so glad that my guest today is with me. Um, Ruth Graham, daughter of um, Billy Graham, has written a phenomenal new book. It's called Forgiving My Father, Forgiving Myself. Ruth, welcome. Thank and you. And I actually wanted to ask you a question about the title. I've read all sorts of different theological opinions <laughs> on whether we're supposed to forgive ourselves. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about why you titled the book that way. Well, I struggled to forgive myself for repeated sins over and over again, like Samson. Uh, I even began to wonder if I was even saved. You know, oh, I thought, wow. oh, something's wrong with me. I'm missing a piece somewhere. Um, so I knew I had to forgive myself. Then I had to forgive my father for the many absences in my childhood. I was left with a sense of abandonment. I'm not blaming him. I knew he was called by God. I supported that. He's my hero. He will always be my hero. But it did have a profound effect on me. Mm -hmm. And he writes in his own memoirs that his absences must have had repercussions mm -hmm. in my children's life. And I was one. Yes, yeah. there were repercussions in my life, severe ones. Don't blame him. They were my choices. But um, so I had to learn to forgive him and also God. Yeah. And there's no theology for that either. But so often we expect God to intervene, mm -hmm. to change the course of history, to yeah. fix our needs. Sure. And it doesn't happen and we get angry with him. Um, you know, after my first divorce, I was very angry with God that he did not intervene, that he didn't stop it from happening. Um, and it really caused me to wonder, what is God all about? And I had claimed verses that the latter would be greater than the former and he would do a new thing in me. And and I didn't realize it was, he was doing a new thing in me. Totally oh, different. Yeah. And so I had to forgive God, for lack of a better word. And then it is an invitation to the miracle of forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And I have seen that miracle take place in my own family after some pretty bumpy roads. But God brought us all together. I want to go back to that forgiving God, because I actually do think that is absolutely scriptural scripturally accurate. Because if you look at the book of Job, mm. you know, Job railed, railed against God. Mm. And then his three well-meaning friends <laughs> say all the right things. And you just want to smack them. <laughs> but at the end, it's Job that God commends. Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. he commends him for his, the, I think to the level you're willing to be honest with God is an indication of how deeply you trust yes, him. Yes, I believe so too. So I want to talk about, um, you talk about confessing to one another, not just to kind of Okay, Lord, I, you know, I ask for forgiveness. 
I love the fact that you have what I like to call safe sisters. <laughs> I do. That you have some people. How important is that, do you think? It's very important to me. I have a, a wonderful group of women in Charlottesville, Virginia, who pray for me on a regular basis. And uh, they're praying for us this afternoon. Oh, yeah. But um, I just need a place where I can be honest and vulnerable and yeah. say, I need help here. Would you pray for me? And they have been lifesavers for me. And we all need community. We can't do this alone. We're supposed to be in community. And as you know, when you travel and you're gone on mm -hmm. weekends, you are isolated. Right. So you do need a body around you. Mm -hmm. And um, my prayer group and my uh, Sunday school class are that for me. And I'm very grateful. I just want to back up a tiny bit. I mean, you talk about forgiving yourself. Mm -hmm. um, I'm thinking of a young woman I met last weekend, and she's had two abortions. Mm. And her thing is, how can I forgive myself for something that I can't undo? What would you say to that? Well, so often we can't undo it. No. You know, um, for instance, if we share the confidence of somebody else, we can't take it back. Uh, so we can't undo it. God understands that. And God offers healing and renewal. Yeah. He will take those children. He's got them now. Mm. And she will meet them one day. Yeah. And all is forgiven. There is healing. There is welcoming. Um, so I, the, we don't need to be afraid of God. Yeah. You write um, about how Christ modeled taking our very real emotions mm -hmm. to God in that, yes. um, in the garden. Mm -hmm. I found that a very powerful passage. Just speak to that. Well, my friend, Terry, Dr. Terry Wardell, uh, is the one who shared that with me. And I think emotions, as we've talked before, has, do knock us off our pins. Mm -hmm. We just think, oh, we're back here again. But those are emotions. And what Jesus did in the garden, he was pouring out his emotions to God. And how do we know that? Because John overheard. Mm -hmm. It was loud crying and sobbing and weeping. John heard that. And so John recorded it for us, wow. which is really powerful. And we can follow Jesus's example. We don't have to tell everybody. And R.T. Kendall says, once you've confessed it, stop talking about it. Just talk about it to the point you need to get healthy, but that's it. Mm -hmm. Don't go around telling all the different people you need to tell and try to get back or whatever. Be honest with God. Mm -hmm. He can handle it. And he wants us to be honest with God. He knows it anyway. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> he made us to be emotional creatures. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't condemn us for that. I love uh, Joyce Meyer's book, God's Not Mad at You. Because so many yeah. of us think he's mad at us. Yeah. He's just standing in heaven waiting to get us. But he's not. You contrast the way, the different ways that Peter and mm. Judas, mm. where they went to get help. Mm -hmm. that, that was very interesting to me. Would you talk a little about that? Well, Judas was apparently became very disillusioned with Jesus, um, that he wasn't the conquering hero. He wasn't going to save them from Rome. And so he began to stand a little closer to the Pharisees and the people who were criticizing Jesus. And he began to listen to what they were saying. And um, he decided that he would betray Jesus into their hands. And he did so, but he never dreamed, I don't think, that it would go as far as yeah. it did. And once he realized that Jesus was, in fact, going to be crucified for being an innocent man. Judas must have been horrified. But where did he turn? He turned to the Pharisees and the scribes, and they threw the money back at him and said, we don't want your money. He confessed the wrong people. And then he went out and hung himself. He hung himself, yeah. hopeless. And Peter denied Jesus three times, not once, but three times. And as he said the last one, 
the cock crowed. And Jesus turned and looked at him. Can you imagine what that did to Peter? No, oh, I, I just, I cannot. and he didn't know that Jesus was going to be raised again. He did not know he'd ever see Jesus again, but Jesus went to the cross and Peter thought that would be the last thing he'd know about him. So he, he was with the disciples. He turned to the disciples and he was in the room when the women came back and said, Jesus is not there. He's risen. And he ran, he had to go. And Peter being Peter just had to march right in and, and see what was going on. But Peter confessed to the right people. Yeah. And he was in a community of people who understood God's grace. Yeah. And that's important for us. We need to be in a community that understands God's grace. We cannot out God's grace. And don't you love, I think you mentioned it in here, the fact that the angel said, go and tell the disciples and Peter. And Peter. <laughs> yes. Because he was probably wondering, well, I, should I go? Mm -hmm. I was the one who denied mm -hmm. him. I mean, that to me is one of the most grace-filled mm -hmm. verses mm -hmm. in all of Scripture. I agree. Um, in the book, you, you have a, this kind of idea of going back to go forward. And it reminded mm -hmm. me of one of my favorite quotations of all time. It's from T.S. Eliot's mm -hmm. Little Gidding, where it's like, we shall not cease from exploration, and the end of all our exploring will be to arrive where we started and know the place for the first mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. What do you mean by going back? to go forward? Well, sometimes we're stuck true. in a sin or a, a bad memory or a resentment, a bitterness, and we have to go back to that place. And I use Hagar as an illustration. Mm -hmm. You know, Hagar was so badly treated by Sarah. Yeah. And it was Sarah's doing, you know, and Sarah blamed Abraham, but she was only doing her bidding. And Hagar fled. She was in danger, so she fled, and she fled to the wilderness. The wilderness was not a safe place at all, and she fled to get away from Sarah. So she was willing to face the wilderness rather than be in Sarah's tent. And while she's there, the Lord appears to her and says, you need to go back to Sarah's house. Oh, that's the last place she wanted to go, last place in the world. And so often, that's the last place we want to go. Yeah. We don't want to go back to the place where we're stuck. We don't want to go back to that injury. We don't want to go back and ask for forgiveness. We don't want to go back. Mm -hmm. Let's bury it. Let's cover it over and just keep on marching forward. But God would have us go back to those places yeah. and deal with them honestly, then find healing for them, and we're able to move forward. But if we just cover them over, they are buried alive. They will come back. What, what do you do if you go to someone and, they, and you ask for their forgiveness, and they refuse to give it. You've done your work. You can't change them. God will have to work on their hearts, but you have done what God asked you to do. You are obedient, and you have to leave it there. You can't convince them. You can't argue with them. You can't defend yourself. Just simply say, please forgive me, and if they can't, give them time. This may be news to them. Yeah, that's true. So you need to give them time too. Yeah. But I think by and large people want to forgive. Mm -hmm. One of the issues that's very much talked about at the moment is, you know, sexual abuse that's been covered mm -hmm. up in the church. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of writing about it at the moment. And someone said, asked me, she said, you know, my grandfather was the one who abused mm -hmm. me and he was an elder in our church. He's dead now. So mm -hmm. how can I forgive him when I can't go and talk to him. You can always forgive. It doesn't depend on the other person. It, it depends on your heart and your obedience. God will take care of them. Like with my first husband, I told mm -hmm. God, you take care of him, you know, tell him I'm sorry. But we don't have to 
do that. Uh, God can give us the peace and the, the um, sense of forgiveness, even if that person's not there, because a lot of times people are gone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the most um, intimate and revealing chapters, and I thought one of the most honest, and it would help other parents, is you talk about your relationship with your daughter, mm-hmm. Windsor. And that, that's that been quite a journey in itself. <laughs> yes, it was. Yes, it was. Um, Windsor had two babies out of wedlock when she was a teenager. The first one she released for adoption. And 22 months later, got pregnant again and had another baby. And I thought something was wrong with her. I thought this kid's not, connections are not being met. And I didn't know what was happening, but she just refused to obey all the rules. She just was over the top. And I had had it with her. I loved her. I knew she was not in rebellion. I think she was hurting. She released that baby. She was wanting to make the hurt go away. Uh And um, her father was not that kind of father. And so she was looking for love in all, all the wrong places. And when she got pregnant again, she decided to keep that little boy, parent him. And um, she really struggled, really struggled. She did go on to college. She got her insurance license. She um, got her associate's degree with honors. And I maintained a relationship with her because I did not think she was in rebellion. I just think she thought she was hurting. And we would have her for dinner and have her for holidays and we would go to the beach with her, but it was always uneasy. She wasn't a safe place for me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to get too close because she had really broken my heart. And years later, she married a wonderful man and they have two children of their own, one who had severe birth defects and was on um, life support for quite a while and still has a feeding tube. But, and he's nine years or 10 years old now. And you would not know he was disabled, but he, he is. And she struggled with her own pro-life issues. Uh, obviously chose life two times with the two, first two babies. And then this child, she chose life for that child. And so one day we were invited to speak in Prince Edward Island, Canada. And I thought maybe this is a good opportunity for Windsor to get her feet wet. Had she talk- spoken before? No, uh-uh. to talk about her own pro-life stand. And uh, she also has a life-threatening disease, which will require her to choose life for herself at some point or not. She's she's very honest about it. And she says, I may not be able to do that, but I wanted her to get her feet wet. And so she spoke with such poise, such grace. And I sat there with tears streaming down my face. She was so gracious and so engaged. Mm -hmm. Healing took place, Mm -hmm. just healing took place. And I realized, you know, God had done a miracle for us because at the same time, my fourth husband had been in a terrible automobile accident and he was on life machine, life support machines. And she came down to be with me mm-hmm. and she knew her way around hospital machines. And she was able to say, mom, this means this and this means that. And you need to ask this question. I relied on her. Wow. She was wonderful. Healing took place. Can I tell you when or how? I do not know. 
but it took place, and I'm so grateful. And she now lives four blocks from me, and we thoroughly love one another. Oh, I love that, yes. Ruth. And, but it's a miracle. It's just a miracle. But again, it was process. It took yes, time. Yes, it took time. It took many, many years. Mm -hmm. One of the things you touch on in the book, and I really, I laughed when I read this, about how difficult it is within the Christian world, and particularly with women, to be able to express anger. <laughs> that is just not acceptable. No, it's not. <laughs> I remember telling my mother I was angry one day. And she said, oh, you can't be angry. Well, what was I to do with that? You know, what was I to do with my anger? I was feeling it. And of course, I never saw my mother and daddy angry. Um, and if they were, they hit it very well. But I just, I didn't know what to do with it. And one day, uh, after my husband's infidelities, it just exploded. I mean, the anger just roared out, and it exploded over everybody. And I didn't care what I said. I didn't care who it hurt. I was just angry. And fortunately, I had a, my pastor was with me, and he herded the children back to their house. And um, I went in to talk with Ted, and my anger finally spent. Mm -hmm. And that's the the situation I want to ask his forgiveness for. You know, when I get to heaven, I'll get the chance, if, and God's taking care of it in the meantime. But the Bible says, be angry, but do not sin. Mm -hmm. And I was angry, and I sinned at that point. But you've never been taught how to be angry no, and not sin. No, no. But you have to be able to express mm -hmm. verbally in an appropriate way. Yeah. And I hope that I gave my children the opportunities to say whatever they wanted respectfully but say every, whatever they wanted to me. And, uh, and I think that they have, and I, some things I didn't want to hear. <laughs> sure. And I said to someone this Christmas time, I said, I've lived long enough to like my kids. And they laughed, <laughs> but I was perfectly serious because there was a time I did not like my kids. They gave me a run for my money, but they've turned into wonderful, lovely young people. When you finished this book, when you done the final edits and you've released it to, I see it with Baker Books, they're yes. my publishing uh, company, they're awesome. What was, what did you feel in yourself? Was it um, fear, was it excitement? It was fear and I thought maybe I should go hide in a cave somewhere. Because <laughs> <laughs> I thought, you know, my father is revered around the world and I would never want anybody to think I was critical or mm -hmm. harsh. And I had it vetted by two people I trusted to make sure that there was no harshness or no excusing of myself. I did not want to do that. Um, I was nervous. And when the editor got back to me and said it really helped her view of forgiveness, I like that, you know. Yeah, your editor's my uh, editor. Yeah. Oh, okay. Then you know how gracious and lovely she is. <laughs> she is. But I have to say, having read it, and obviously I, I, I like many, loved your parents, there's not a hint of just, mm -hmm. you honor them. Good. And, but you help us see what life was like mm -hmm. for you and for many of us in ministry or who have ministry families. Mm -hmm. So. I just want to say, yeah, you, well done. <laughs> Thank you. Well, done. well, evangelicals have put ministry before family for years. Yes. And it's a conversation evangelicals need to have yes. because it's not right. Mm, absolutely not. Well, um, I'm going to tell you how you can get hold of this wonderful book of Ruth's. I mean, I really, I could not recommend it more highly. But first of all, um, I want to share something with you. Ruth and I have both walked in some of the harshest places in Africa and watch children who are not looking for a great summer vacation. They would just like one bowl of food a day. And you and I can make a difference. Would you watch this?
Like so many of us, Felicia prays earnestly over her home and her children. But in her world, life and death are at stake every day. The circumstances faced by the families in her village are overwhelming, and they are forced to contend with a reality most of us can't imagine. Despite already losing one child to malnutrition, Felicia's faith remains strong. The danger is real, and she fears for the future of her children. But her hope is anchored in a daily act of surrendering her family to God. Like Felicia, so many families in this corner of the world feel the weight of malnutrition bearing down on them and threatening their survival. They can't collapse under the burden or give in to despair. They can only pray. And you could be the answer to those prayers. Kneeling on that rough ground, head on a piece of wood, asking God for help. You know what I think when I see that picture? Felicia isn't a convert, she's a disciple. It's not just she made some decision at some point to trust Jesus and hoped everything in life will work out well. She's daily trusting him for literally the next bowl of food that she can give her children. And you have seen that, Ruth. You have, have been there. What does that do to your heart as a mom? Oh, it just tugs at my heart. And I remember being in Angola and watching a, a family with a... a skeleton of a fish, just sucking the bones. That's all they had, sucking the bones. And, oh, it just breaks your heart. And, you know, as a mother, if you didn't have enough to feed your children and you saw the results of malnutrition and to bury your children because they were hungry, oh, I, I, I cannot imagine. And her faith, I know. Her faith it just puts me to shame all to pieces. Mm -hmm. I feel exactly the same. And on my last trip in Angola, we walked to where it was a graveyard simply for children. And even as we were looking at the little markers left, um, we realized there was another family approaching with their little one. And so we all moved aside out of respect. But here's the thing that's good news. That all sounds like devastating news, and it is. But the good news is we can change it. I mean, I've seen with my own eyes, I've walked into a malnutrition clinic and seen these babies with red hair and skin peeling and distended bellies. Literally, they can't laugh anymore because it takes every ounce of energy just to take the next breath. But then I've gone to the village where we've set up mission feeding and I've watched these children laugh and stand in line. They come to school because that's where we feed them. So not only do they get a meal, it breaks that cycle 
cycle of poverty because they get an education. Who knows if one of those children is going to become the president of one of these African nations. You and I, ordinary people like you and I, can change this. So we're asking you here, will you please help us? Just $30 will feed three little ones for three months. I mean, that's amazing to me. $50 will feed five children. $100 will feed 10. And if you're able to give more, $1,000 will feed 100 children for three months. Now, for any gift at all today, I want to send you Ruth's amazing book, Forgiving My Father, Forgiving Myself. I believe that this book will bless you. But what I'm asking you to do is will you reach out and be the answer to these, I mean, right now, all over Africa, mothers are on their knees mm. praying, God, please answer my prayer. We want to be able to say, God heard you and he sent us. So please go to your phone, give the very best gift possible, and we'll be able to bring you some footage back and show you the answers that you've helped provide. Mission Feeding began with a promise to be there in times of crisis for thousands of hurting and hungry children in their time of need. Now more than ever, we need your help to save lives by feeding and caring for children across the continent of Africa. With food reserves gone and many areas experiencing severe famine, we urgently need to replenish our supplies to reach the 400,000 children who are counting on us. Your gift of love can be the miracle answer to a desperate mother's prayer. Call now with your life-saving gift of 30, 50, or $100 that will help feed and care for three, five, or 10 children for three full months. With your gift, we'll send you the Altered Worship CD by Anthony Evans. This powerful full-length album includes unique versions of some of today's most cherished worship songs that are sure to uplift and inspire you. With your gift of $100 or more, please request a filled with faith and joy travel mug set these 12 ounce mugs are crafted with large handles, double layered insulation, and vacuum sealed lids to prevent spills. Each mug includes a message to remind you of God's blessings and faithfulness. Finally, with your gift of $1,000 or more to help feed and care for 100 children, be sure to request our commemorative bronze sculpture, Safe in the Shepherd's Arms. Please call, write, or make your gift online today. Can you hear them coughing? Can you hear that deep chest cough? Because the resistance is so low that the least little thing becomes a serious life or death issue for these children. And I don't know if you realize that every time um, that you pick up the phone and you call or every time you go online, these are the people whose lives that you're changing. And our prayer is that we can save this little one. But my prayer is that we can save hundreds of other children before they get to this stage. No child should ever get to this stage. No mom should ever have to watch this. So if we do something now, we can stop this from happening. 
Thank you so much. Please keep calling. We want to continue to be able to meet our commitment to feed thousands of children in Africa. And Ruth, I want to thank you so much for being our guest here oh, in Life. Thank you for having me. But thank you joy. too for this incredible book. We just um, we look forward to sending it to you. So for James and Betty from all of us here at Life Outreach, I just want to say thank you so much for being with us. And we'll see you next time on Life Today. I, in this moment, my heart is broken, but I have a confidence. Anthony Evans opens up about the recent life-altering events in his family tomorrow. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.